The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to this edition of the Stockhead Wildcatter podcast. And today we're delighted to have Ken Aitken, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Metgasco Limited. Welcome to the podcast, Ken. Yeah, thanks very much, Peter, and uh, welcome the opportunity. Um, Ken, uh, just as a bit of an introduction to the company, I'll just tell the listeners that uh, Metgasco has about 390 million shares, so a fairly conservative number of shares. And at the current market price, the company has a market capitalization of about 15 million. But uh, a lot of listeners won't know that the company owns quite a lot of uh, buyer and energy shares. And with the net cash that it has in the balance sheet, that is worth about 13 or 14 million dollars. So really, uh, the market is not giving very much value to Metgasco's exploration portfolio. And, and from what I've read, it looks like you've got about three, at least three uh, exploration programs that are fairly well advanced. And we're going to see some drilling either later through December and, and into early to mid uh, 2020. So uh, perhaps we could just start with a little bit about your background. I, I know, Ken, you have quite a big uh, long uh, history working in the Perth Basin, and you've now uh, moved very recently on a uh, to, to gain or to to uh, farm in to a permit in the Perth Basin. What in your background has uh, drawn you towards uh, this act, uh, this opportunity in in the Perth Basin? Yeah, the the Perth Basin. I've worked in since uh, two thousand and five, uh, and I had a long offshore career. Uh, prior uh, to entering the Perth Basin with some mid-caps and majors. And I found that the when I worked with Origin in the Perth Basin, the, uh, the profit margin for onshore oil and gas uh, to be particularly lucrative and members sending some large checks back to the, uh, the Brisbane uh, head office of Origin. So I, when I got into the role, uh, when I was CEO of Metgasco, and we were looking for new deals, we decided that... Um, the Perth Basin was a really good place to come. Obviously, the Waitsea discovery had just happened. But I wanted to focus on, on oil uh, simply because it can be uh, commercialised a lot quicker. Uh, and, uh, and the L14 licence, which I, uh, I ran for seven years with Origin Energy, I knew that field uh, very well and had a very high strike rate when wells were drilled. Uh, and we managed to do a, an expiration deal with our, the operator here, RCM Australia. That's uh, that's right. And I remember back in the Arc Energy days uh, when they were producing oil from Eremia and Jingamaya. I think the all-in costs were something like ten dollars a barrel because you can truck the oil very cheaply down to the oil refinery here just south of Perth. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the deal that was struck with RCM Australia is to um, they, they've reserved five thousand barrels of ullage through. The Jingamaya facility, which uh, is now very high water cut and still producing about three, four hundred barrels a day, uh, so it allows us um, on discovery to, within sort of six to nine months, to to produce that uh, straight all the way through to BP. It comes with a built-in um, uh, contract and uh, 
tariff deal. So it's uh, a very nice uh, deal in, indeed. Let's not jump too far ahead on, on discovery and talk about discovery because it's still uh, you know, a prospective target. So can you tell us a little bit about Cervantes, which is the, the prospect in question? Uh, I, th- I think uh, you're now uh, with 30% interest in the permit. Uh, you've farmed out to uh, vintage and uh, you're going to drill this sometime in 2020. And I think the target from your presentations, 15.3 million barrels in the middle, which would give Metgasco just over 4 million barrels to its, its account on highly profitable barrels as well. That's right. The, uh, we, we had a good look at the data room that RCMA opened, RCMA opened earlier this year. Uh, and we looked uh, for, you know, we looked at a number of things, but the, the one prospect that cropped up was uh, one we called Cervantes. It was the largest and was on a trend. If you look at a, a trend from Hovia through to Jingamai out to Clifford, it's on a, a line and uh, it, it was such a big structure. We did it by uh, integrating the offshore 2D with the 3D and up came this very, very shallow horse block uh, with uh, and a big area that uh, calculated about 15 million barrels of oil over three Permian layers. The Dongra, which uh, traditionally has produced a lot of oil in the area, uh, but also the the High Cliff and the Kingia. Now, the Kingia is the, the reservoir that's produced so much gas uh, for on tests for both the Waitsia fields and uh, the recent West Aragola discovery that strikes made. And we actually think that the um, this Kingia reservoir um, because it's uh, face-loading against the uh, Cockatia Shale, it's got a very high chance of oil in our reservoir, which uh, attracted us to the prospect. It's been uplifted in this location. Uh, uh, what indications do you have that it'll have the same quality of reservoir as we see in those deeper weights here and uh, West Aragala discoveries? Yeah, our knowledge of uh, both the Dongra and the Kenya. The Dongra uh, is, is a very high permeable, very high porosity reservoir in Jingamai, only three kilometres away. Uh, so we believe that the, uh, the, the, the Dongra is very similar to the nearby Jingamai field. The Kenya is shallow, so the, generally the shallower the reservoir, the more, per, uh, more porosity and permeability you've got, albeit uh, that's uh, 4,000 metres. Uh, other companies have been finding high permeability as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it, on the way out, as you go out to um, the Cliffhead field, uh, there is a layer there called the K-Sand, which uh, has produced a bit of oil as well. So we're very comfortable that we're on trend with both uh, the, the Jingamaya and the RCME uh, reservoir permeabilities and porosities. And I think, Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, the Hovia wells individually produced over 2,000 barrels a day, up to 3,000. Is that about right? That's right. Yeah, they, they recover a significant, uh, you know, the, the Hovia field in total produced uh, 60%. It's a 60% recovery factor and it's produced about 8 million barrels. And when they first came online, they're up to two and a half, three thousand. 3,000. And then they drop off over time. You've got to put water in, water injection to maintain the pressure. But they're yeah, very, well, very prolific wells. Yeah, and I think the listeners will will be interested in that. 60% recovery is really unheard of. I mean, some of the better fields around the place like Gippsland Basin, you might get 35 or 40% and in some other areas, 20 to 25% is considered sort of industry standard. So to get that sort of recovery means that fantastic permeability in those reservoirs. Yeah, that's a secondary recovery with water injection. Jingamai was a bit less. It's a bit less than 40. Uh, and that's why RCMA Australia are, are continuing to produce that field. There's more oil to 
to come out of the field and they've, they're um, progressing that as we speak. So what would be uh, Metgasco's uh, funding requirement to drill this well and when do you think that will happen, uh, Ken? Yeah, so the, the, the well is planned for quarter three, 2020. Uh, we're drilling this well uh, inside uh, a nature reserve, uh, in the beekeeper reserve, so uh, we're, we're progressing the environmental uh, uh, application uh, for, uh, to enable the, the planning to proceed. Uh, so that so we feel that uh, quarter three is a, a, a good time. The the cost of the well at the moment we're in the very early stages of planning. Uh, we we believe that at this stage in the early phase the range is between five and seven million um, dollars f- gross for the well. So net we pay fifty percent, and Vintage who farmed in uh, last month will also pay fifty percent the well cost, and RCMA get a free carry. Uh, so about three and a half million dollars net uh, to to Metgasco, and, and as you said earlier in the interview, we have uh, a quite significant amount of buyer and shares which we would monetize to to cover that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, well, your share four million barrels. Uh, you know, the listener can work out what the the value of those barrels in the ground is, but it seems to be a little bit more than the one and a half million of. Uh, you know, market capitalization that is actually uh, ascribed to the company's exploration program at the moment. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so let's move on. We've got this recent news. Uh, you've said that the uh, well, the rig that's going to be drilling the Vale 1 well in ATP 2021 over in the uh, Cooper Aramanga Basin is moving on to site and Vintage has said they hope to spud it around about Sunday-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe certainly uh, by the end of the month or early January, we might be seeing some results. Can you tell us about the target at Vale? Yeah, the, the, it was really great to... Uh, to we, a year ago, let me back up, a year ago we had 100% of this block and we were looking for farmonies. Uh, it's a very uh, prolific area, a great, a great address for finding gas, very close to uh, Santos's, Summer Santos's prolific gas and oil-producing fields. So back in May, we, we farmed out uh, uh, to, to Vintage. We got a bit of a promote. Um, uh, and Vintage became the operator because they, a lot of the, the Vintage guys, are a lot of them are ex, ex-Beach, uh, and they're very experienced in the area. So we decided to hand over operatorship to them and they've done a terrific job to quickly take control of the project um, uh, and and, uh, get the well drilled before the year end. A couple of months later, we did farm down another 25% to to Bridgeport, who are based in Sydney. Um, So we we retain 25%. Uh, We're excited by this prospect. It's uh, Permian Reservoirs. They're about... um, uh, the Talachi uh, and the Pachawara and the in that area they can either be conventional or they can be unconventional so we're not quite sure what we're going to get but there's plenty of gas around and it's very near a, a well called Quinta that was drilled uh, by Santos a number of years ago uh, which had signs of gas. So in the matter of sort of six to twelve months you could get permits to put a pipeline across what is it seven or nine kilometers and and really be starting to think about getting that gas into the market that's right we this, this may give us our, our first production um we're, we're hopeful that uh, production if we have a discovery a, a production license the queensland government would give us 
a license, we can put a pipeline in and tie it into the Bowen Beckler nearby facilities, uh, relatively low cost to keep a, just uh, not have to put any production facilities in, uh, strike a tariff deal with. And how does that work? Uh, Santos Santos uh, charges you a, a, a tolling fee or a, 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 to to process the gas. How does that work in terms of costs and, and piping? Yeah, we've had some preliminary uh, discussions uh, with Santos. Nothing is uh, obviously agreed, but it, it would be um, striking a, a, a tariff to take the gas uh, and... and um, then put it into obviously the connected market into the, the excellent East Coast markets. Uh, the way that would work is uh, just a, a tariff arrangement. Uh, we would we would drill the wells. We would have local facilities at, at the um, the Valley Field, and we would pay to put the pipeline in and have um, some shutdown facilities. So we keep it very low cost for the development. And obviously, depending on the size, uh, the number of wells that be required. I mean, we have uh, net nine petajoules of gas, but on on the high side, this this field could be up to forty, uh, about forty petajoules of gas. So uh, we've got high hopes, and uh, it's it's great to to see the well drilling and hopefully get a Christmas present news between Christmas and New Year uh, later. So that's a, a target of uh, somewhere between thirty in the mid and forty two or something petajoules in in total, uh, of which you'd have a twenty five percent interest. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's, it's material, uh, and I think we've got a terrific operator who. Uh, have uh, done a great job today, and uh, we uh, look forward to the the logs and the and, and announcing the news as it comes in. So you'd say what first week of January for that, uh, Ken? It's these wells are relatively short. They're uh, you know they're down to um, about thirty two hundred meters, but they're uh, they can be drilled relatively quickly. Uh, so we we reckon between ten and fifteen days to the results. So I'm hoping before. Before year end, if we spud um, on the fifteenth, which we announced yesterday, then then yeah, it could be uh, just before New Year. And then the uh, follow-on prospect there, a little bit to the east or west, is it? Is the Odin prospect, uh, which has uh, quite a wide range of prospective gas, uh, and that would be a follow-on um, sometime later in twenty twenty or into twenty one. Uh, yeah, that's that's right, Peter. We we recently struck a, a deal with uh, the operator of PRL two one one, which was Senex. Uh, uh, with the, the joint venture, ATP twenty twenty one joint venture, farmed in uh, and pay. They, we've paid as a joint venture one hundred percent for an eighty five percent license interest. Uh, Senex keep fifteen, so our net interest would be twenty one point two five percent. Odin's a, a really exciting prospect. It straddles the uh, the the, uh, the sort of geographical boundary or license boundary between South Australia and Queensland. Uh, so we didn't want to to drill a well uh, that well until we had an interest in both sides. It's um, it's got uh, you know up to uh, a high estimate about forty two bcf of gas, and also we think it's uh, it's got a, a quite significant stratigraphic element as well. There was a well called Strathmount there drilled in 1985, uh, and it was off structure. When we when we got the licenses for these Cooper Basin, when we applied to the government, uh, what we didn't realise was that uh, Santos were shooting uh, a 3D seismic program that went into the block. So we did a deal with Santos, bought that um, that uh, 3D seismic, and it gave us a real boost for both farm out 
and ability to drill quickly. That was called the snowball seismic. And both these prospects, Odin and Valley, uh, shine very light on it, like a Christmas tree on the, on the, when we looked at the, uh, the 3D seismic. So you had uh, anomalism, which is an indicative uh, indicative of uh, gas in the structure. Yeah, that, that, that's right. There was very strong uh, returns on both the Talachi and the Pachawara. Uh, the, the quality of the seismic was good. Uh, and we've got you know, very high hopes for, uh, for both, both wells. But the, the, the Odin well will uh, most likely be around just before the middle of the year uh, is our current plan. So to be able to drill two wells within six months, um, you know, for a small cap company like ourselves, followed by Cervantes. It's uh, later in the second half of next year. It's a pretty exciting prospect for our shareholders. How will the result from Vale reflect on Odin? I mean, is there any cross-pollination there? If Vale comes in terrific, does that increase your confidence in Odin? Or if Vale is a duster, is, does that knock Odin out of the park? Or how does that work? Uh, they're both separate structures. They're both, uh, you know, four-way dip closed close structures uh, on on the map. So if if Valley uh, is, you know, uh, is a disappointment for whatever reason, then we will still proceed to drill Odin. Uh, and as I said, that that Strathmite one well uh, was poorly tested back in the day. There was some poor technology used, and it was off structure, but still found gas. So we will push ahead uh, the joint venture and. and and drill Odin, regardless of the resultant valley. I guess the good thing is you're in the middle of a, a very oily and gassy part of the world, and there's a lot of uh, analogous structures around you. So uh, that in itself would uh, reduce the risk. But on uh, ATP 2021, there are also quite a few, in fact, dozens of uh, prospects and leads that you've outlined there for oil. Uh, what's the, the plan going forward on those? Yeah, we're reprocessing the seismic as we speak uh, on, on the oil um, prospects. They're, they're, they're very shallow uh, and, and we're, we're looking very closely at uh, getting a, a shallow rig and drilling that, uh, these shallow oil prospects. There's something at Bridgeport does very well in the other areas of the Cooper Aramanga Basin. Uh, so we we, we would certainly like to drill uh, another well and a shallow oil well uh, at some point, whether it's in um, 2020 or, or, or shortly after that. Uh, so that's certainly where, as a joint venture, we're looking at that possibility. And Ken, is this oil that's migrated out of the basin onto the sort of northwestern margin, a bit like the, the western margin oil that's been found through uh, Senex and Beach and others? Uh, it's similar, yeah. The same, it's a similar migration pathway. We... Uh, we, we feel that the oil overall in the Cooper Basin is, is pretty underdone and um, uh, we, we certainly need to put more holes in the ground to, to check our migration pathway theories. Are these uh, sort of one or two million barrel type targets or half a million barrel targets or are they, what sort of size you know, do they range from? Oh, they're, they're relatively small. They're between about half a million barrels up to one to two at the moment uh, there's there's a couple of larger ones that we're reprocessing and would obviously target the uh, the largest prospect so um certainly not as big as uh the the cervantes prospect that we talked about earlier but but in the same way economic in the the cooper basin because you're so close to local facilities so what other uh activities is the company working on at the moment 
Yeah, we're we're a, we're a nimble uh, small cap company. Uh, very small. We're only th- three of us that uh, that are on staff and, uh, and, and our board, obviously. So we're looking at different deals at different times. We're always looking at uh, new deals, and we're very nimble. Uh, so we would like to. Um, we like the Perth Basin. We like the uh, the onshore Cooper Basin. Uh, so we're looking to to look for similar opportunities. We do have a, a second option uh, in L14 to, uh, that we've got to commit to in first between the 1st of April and the 31st of January 2020. So uh, we, we may go early, uh, subject to reprocessing in L14. Uh, but we're looking at other, um, uh, other opportunities and, and looking to do deals with, with uh, uh, good, good partners. And staying onshore in Australia? Ideally, staying onshore in Australia. Yeah, we, the last few years we have uh, been drilling with Byron Energy over in the, the Gulf of Mexico, and Byron are a terrific company. They, uh, they, we, we drilled a, a couple of, unfortunately, uh, wells that were one was completely dry, another one uh, had a little bit of oil, but it wasn't economic. And then the next well that Byron drilled was a success. So, uh, so we've, you know, when you go offshore as a small cap company, even in small uh, in small percentages and promotes, it's uh, large dollars. So we'd rather stay onshore. We still we still have our thirty percent ownership in South Mar seventy four, uh, but I believe Byron over the next year or two are going to be focusing on their South Mars fifty eight well, and we wish them well in that. And uh, we believe that the future for good for Byron Energy is excellent, and that's why we retain our share ownership in them. So, in summary, uh, I think, Ken, we've got the Vale well about to spud and with results likely within a sort of 10 to 15-day timeframe from that uh, commencement of drilling. So that will be information, uh, if not by the new year, certainly in the early days of the new year, followed by Odin, which you would be aiming to to drill on the back of hopefully a, a success at Vale mid-year, and then Cervantes, which is really, uh, I guess, for Metgasco, the re- the uh, the value sweet spot because, um, you know, four or five million barrels of oil in the Perth Basin uh, where you're getting 85 and $90 Australian a barrel for that oil and it's costing you, you know, less than $20 to uh, process it and transport it uh, to the point of sale. It's a fairly valuable asset uh, should that, Turn out to be a discovery. Yes, I agree, Peter. It's, you know, Cervantes' discovery will be truly transformative for our business. Uh, it'll take us from the small cap up to uh, you know the the sort of I believe uh, fifty to hundred million market cap. Um, uh, so uh, we're really excited by all of the prospects for drilling. I think uh, the Cooper Basin will be uh, the. We hope it'll be terrific news, and it will build to the. Uh, through the second well and into the third to drill three highly prospective wells within uh, less than 12 months is uh, yeah, I don't think you'll, you'll find that many companies out there uh, of our size that are doing that so we've worked hard to, to get that position and of course we're free carried in Valley which uh, is, is even better 
And it's worthwhile uh, rem- reminding the listener that the Cervantes target is at sort of 2,500 to 2,700 metres. Mm. Uh, it's unlike these deeper weights here. And West Arag- I think West Aragala was over 5,000, 5,200 metres, quite an expensive well to drill. So drilling on the Cervantes target, which shouldn't be too much of an issue environmentally because I think the Xanadu well, which was drilled from onshore to offshore, was in a similar uh, you know, environment um, behind the sand dunes, and they were able to get uh, permission to drill that well. That's right. Yeah. So the, that area, and I've personally drilled in in the area as well uh, with Origin about nine or ten years ago. So yeah, you you have to work with uh, our, our environmental uh, government, environmental authorities. It's all doable, and we're already thinking about export routes out of the Cervantes Prospect uh, in, through to the Jingamaya facility and. And the sort of what we do from a primary and secondary recovery. So it's um, yeah, and it's a really uh, it's a great joint venture. We've got Vintage in, and with RCMA Australia, and we are operating that well on the on behalf of RCMA. Uh, so that's uh, and that's basically because of the experience that sits with, with myself and some of the board members of uh, planning and drilling wells in the, in the Perth Basin successfully before. Okay, Ken, well, thank you very much for coming in and spending the time with uh, the Wildcatter pod today, and we wish you a happy Christmas and an even better New Year, by the sounds of things, if Arle does what it's meant to do. Great. Thanks very much, Peter. Appreciate it. You're very welcome.